or Shelf Check, a podcast for the question of our times. What should I read next? Shelf Check is presented by Arlington Public Library in Arlington, Texas. I am your host today, Sharon Granado, with my co-host, Leslie Inojosa. Hello. Let's, Let's talk, talk books. books. Okay, so we're going to be talking about true crime. This is part one, so stay tuned for part two, three, four, five, and six. Woohoo! So, for Books for a Mood, we have The Bird Boys, Adelpha Wade and Tom Fallon Mystery by Lisa Sandlin. If you're into detective novels and you're not super into the true crime stuff, you'll like this book. Uh, it's a sequel to The Do Right. Um, in this book, Delpha is questioned for her attack on the man who nearly killed her. So if you like detective novels, I definitely recommend that one. And then my second recommendation was uh, is actually um, a true crime, but it was based on... So it was a true crime first, and then a fictional movie was made out of it. I actually haven't seen it, but I think you have, Sharon, right? Yes. Okay, so the title is The Real Lolita, The Kidnapping of Sally Horner and the Novel That Scandalized the World by Sarah Wainham. So after this whole crime happened and this girl was abducted, the movie Lolita was made out, uh, out of it and also the the book. I have actually never seen it. Have you seen it? Sure. I have. I've seen the original Lolita movie that was based off of the classic novel. Mm-hmm. And then I have seen um, a Jeremy Irons version of this that was probably made um, either in the late 90s or early 2000s. I've seen that one, but I haven't seen the one specifically detailing about Sally, Sally Horner, Horner. The original? Yeah. Okay. So I definitely am going to check those out, and then maybe for part two, I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Well, I'm going to suggest some books uh, for our Dewey Dive. Okay. Uh, Most true crime um, is in our nonfiction section. You'll usually see them in the 360s, like around 362, 364. But we have the Black Dahlia Red Rose. It's the crime, corruption, and cover-up of America's greatest unsolved murder. And this is by Peel Eatwell. It's, the, it's referenced Root of Evil, the true story of the Hodel family and the Black Dahlia. Yeah, and that that's actually very recent. It's a podcast, and we'll get to that in our author highlight. Yes, and there has been a movie made on the Black Dahlia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have In Cold Blood. It's a true account of a mul- multiple murder and its consequences. And that one is by the famous author Truman Capote. Yes. Um, who also did uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, and I didn't know that. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I think I know him more about that than I do this book. Okay. All right. So now for our author highlight, we're going to focus on authors of true crimes. Woo-hoo. So in our killer spotlight, <laughs> we have, um, let's start off with a Black Dahlia. She was a young girl who moved from Massachusetts to California. She was actually my age. She was 23 when she oh, was murdered. Really? Yeah, very Aww. young. I know. So she moved to uh, California and then they found her in a vacant lot. Then she went to California to become famous and an, an actress. actress. Yeah. yeah. And she was uh, supposedly really pretty. Every time I think about her, the way they've described her is like with white porcelain skin, Mm -hmm. raven black hair. And I think she had like blue eyes. She did. They were bright blue. Yeah. And 
she was murdered and the way she was found, it was very gruesome. Um, I feel like now we're desensitized to that type of stuff. But. Yeah, but you know what? The way it was described and the way I remember it is that they found her with like her face slit into a big yeah. uh, smile. Almost like the Joker. Yeah, like from her the, the corners of her mouth, it went all the way back to her ears. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just, that just yeah. seems so creepy. And she was so expertly sliced. I don't want to say, I guess sliced is a word. Um, and they drained her of blood. So it had to be somebody that knew what they were doing because it was so precise. Yeah. Uh, there were different theories about who killed her. One of them was Black Dahlia Red Rose. Uh, Pew Eatwell makes a convincing case for a bellhop named Leslie. That's my name. Um, but it was a guy. I'm not the killer. <laughs> but uh, that's a weird coincidence. It is. You're and the she same was 23 age. years old and her supposed, one of the supposed killers was Leslie. named Leslie. So it's very strange. Never thought of the um, similarities. So that's one of the um, convincing cases for somebody that murdered her. And then another one came out recently last year. I actually listened to this podcast titled Root of Evil, The True Story of the Hodel Family and the Black Dahlia. And it's eight short episodes. And I listened to all of them in one day because it was just Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I really recommend it. So basically her, not her, but... Um, George Hodel, the doctor, mm-hmm. makes sense, right? She was so expertly. But did she, did she know him before? Were they familiar? Uh, they were in the same area in California. But he, they didn't know each other. Mm, no, no. But not that we know of. No, not that we know oh, okay. of. But he was a strange, like man, um, and his son actually was a cop. Okay. And he's the one that became suspicious of his own dad, and he started investigating. And he started coming up with all these clues, and it kind of made sense that it was her. But basically, this whole podcast ties her murder into the family and all of the trauma that he actually caused the family. Okay. So they're healing at the same time, and then there's a murder at the same time. So after listening to this podcast, I really think it was George Hodel. Okay, because up until you said that, I didn't think... That this this has always been like an unsolved mystery. Mm-hmm. So it's still alleged it can't be really officially him because he's dead and she's dead and they can't have any DNA samples. There's anymore. like, yeah, no scientific facts. Yeah. Other than the accounts of the family. Yeah. So it's been 70 years and we still don't know. But we do know that he was um kind of not the nicest person and he was super smart. He was actually a a musical prodigy, and he had a 186 on his IQ test. So I think he could get away with a murder like this. Oh. Yeah. That's horrible. So next we have In Cold Blood um, by Truman Capote. Like you mentioned already, he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. He's actually, I would consider him the grandfather of true crime books just because he wrote that book and it was so controversial because it was written like a novel. Yeah. He uh, based this novel, he actually did a lot of research he investigated Perry and Richard. Those were the ex-convicts that killed the family of four. Yeah, because one of them actually worked for the victim at one time. Well, the oh, father. Okay. The father. Of father. The, Herb. Of the family. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Herb. He wanted money, right? And he went back and he assumed he had a lot of money, but he actually didn't have any money. Yeah, because he was saying that he, well, Herb was a prosperous farmer. 
But according to this guy, the convict, he claimed that Herb kept a safe in his house loaded with money and they thought they could go in there, steal it and go to Mexico and live the rest of their lives on all this money. Yeah. But then that's not what happened. So when he gets there, they they tie up basically the family and they don't find any money. And by that point, I think things got out of hand and they ended up murdering somebody. So then I think they felt like they had to murder everybody to get away with it. Yeah, and I guess didn't I guess it was the dad that they murdered first. Mm -hmm. And then from what I understand, they slit his throat. Yeah. And the whole time the guy was doing that, he thought how nice of a guy Herb was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you kind of And it's kinda like, oh my gosh, I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing that. Thinking, oh, you're such a good person. And I'm going to kill you. And now I'm going to kill you. Ugh. And then they shot him in the head. Yeah. Yeah. So the way they murdered them wasn't, I don't know, I guess, humane. Not any murder is humane, but they did it in the most gruesome way. In this book, Truman Capote kind of starts, like, a personal relationship with them. And he starts to get to know them. And as a reader, I really felt sympathy for them. And I also... I questioned myself because they did something horrible, but I guess I could see where they were, not where they were coming from, but I could feel for them as humans. They were scared and I don't know. Well, and if you look at their pictures, they just look like average guys. They don't look like, and I know they were convicts, but they just didn't have that. To me, they didn't have that look of danger. They just look like regular guys. Yeah. So I think... It was really interesting because that was the first time I had ever felt sympathy for killers. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think it was because of the way he wrote it, like a novel. So I definitely recommend that one. It's The Grandfather of True Crime. And then we have The Real Lolita, the kidnapping of Sally Horner and the novel that scandalized the world. So I originally was familiar with Lolita um, by the classic novel from Vladimir Nobokov. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's how you say his name. Yeah. And that one, I saw the movie... I knew of the story and read some of the book years ago, but it wasn't until this last year I saw it. It may have been like on Netflix. It was on some kind of streaming TV where I saw the movie that was, I guess, uh, filmed in the 50s. Okay. Because it was in black and white and the character is supposed to be 12 years old living with her mom, mm-hmm. who's uh, single, and then she meets a professor. And uh, I think he boards a room in their house, and then the professor becomes obsessed with a 12-year-old girl. Oh. And then the mom dies, and he takes off with this girl. And they, they just keep running from place to place to place because he never wants anybody to catch up with them. And he just, he becomes obsessed with her. And so I can see how the real Lolita... Which happened, what, this happened in 1948 with Sally Horner. Uh So that was like probably right after the the novel came out that it was very similar. Yeah, and I always, I've never seen the Lolita movie and I've never read the book actually. So I always assumed Lolita was like a a romantic movie, but it's about uh, an abduction and really a murder. 
So it's kind of dark how I didn't know that. Yeah, this the movie that I saw was really dark. But then it had this real peppy music to it <laughs> that I kind of liked. And, uh, but at the same time, it was dark. And I kept thinking, wow, this was like a long time ago. And surely it was banned. It had to have been a, a movie that like, only you saw it in adult theaters or something. Because it was the topic was so taboo. Was it, was it graphic? Topic. It was graphic. No, I think it was more mental than anything oh. else because you knew what he was thinking. You knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. It just seemed so wrong. And for it to be, you know, black and white and yeah. made in the 50s or whatever, it was. Because I'm trying to think who there was a popular Shelly Winters, I think, was that the mom. And she was a very, she played a very annoying character that you were just like, you couldn't wait for her to be quiet. And, <laughs> and he made sure she was quiet. Um, oh, wow. But I know there was another version with Jeremy Irons made later, and they portrayed the girl as being the seductress. Oh. Like, she was young, but mm-hmm. she was, it's like she almost knew she had that power over him. So the real-life version, the real true crime of Sally Horner that inspired Lolita, she has a really terrible ending, actually. So she ends up getting away from him, but then she she dies in a terrible accident. And Yeah, that was sad because she was kidnapped at 12, mm-hmm. and she spent 21 months with him. Yeah. And then she lived until she was 15. Yeah. So she died. Yeah, that was so sad. Super young. So does Lolita in the movie and the book have the same no. ending? No. In the movie, um, the 19, it was actually 1962, and it was a Stanley Kubrick film. That one, she ends up getting, she ends up getting away from him and getting pregnant and married to somebody else. Oh. And he still, like, would come back and want to see her. But then he ended up, I want to say he ended up killing himself. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was it was a different ending. Okay. A, yeah, they did ending. a little more justice to her in the movie yeah. then. Okay, so that I think that's super interesting. I'm going to watch it. I always assumed it was a romance movie. Yeah, you could do a marathon. You yeah. Could, even the Black Dahlia had, like, a movie. Oh, so did In Cold Blood. Well, and I want to say on the ID channel on cable, there is, like, a series called, I could be wrong, but I want to say there's a series called In Cold Blood. Hmm. Which was probably inspired by him. By him. Okay. Yeah. So read the books first and then watch, watch the, the movies. movies. So next we have question time. Have you witnessed a crime? Have I ever witnessed a crime? I don't think I've witnessed a murder, but I've witnessed a crime. I would say I witnessed a hit and run once, but that's about it. I have witnessed, um, I remember going to the state fair when I was little and walking back to our car mm-hmm. and hearing these footsteps running mm-hmm. behind us. And before I knew it, this guy had like a pocket knife oh and sliced my mom's purse oh off her God. shoulder. What? Yeah, it was kind of, and I remember it, I was with my friend. We were like 12 and just screaming after the man. But it was like, it's one of those things where now you know why you shouldn't pay for that cheap parking outside the state fair. (laughs) Yeah. So we were walking back to our discounted uh, parking spot when this guy, I guess, was waiting for people to come out and rob them. Um, Did she get her purse back? No. No. 
she didn't get her purse back. It was like a um, a sting operation. You could <laughs> tell people were there in the neighborhood and they were just watching. Nothing, nobody seemed Oh, they expected panicked. it. Yeah, it was like they already knew that was going to oh, happen. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my first, I guess, experience seeing a true yeah. crime. Yeah, so I've never really witnessed a true, true crime. I don't think I would want to. I like reading about things that don't happen Yeah, and I think I got... Um, I got interested maybe when I was 10 or 12 reading books. I would find books that my brothers, because they were so much older and they were already teenagers, yeah. they were reading books um, like Helter Skelter, but I'm sure we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, and so that's what piqued my interest. And then I think my first time walking into a public library, I was fascinated by the 360 section in the nonfiction area because it had all the true crime. <laughs> and I think for me, it was like, people really do this? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Because it's really not in my character. And I, I don't think it's in your character no. to look at you like, oh, <laughs> she's shady. But um, you never know. But you never know. Now, you know, so, um, yeah, I've never witnessed it. But I am a bit fascinated by hearing the stories. Yeah. Of it. It's kind of scary at the same time. Sometimes I'll watch a true crime movie or series like on the ID channel like you, and I don't want to go to sleep. Yeah, and I, I teeter between if I'm in, a, in the kitchen cooking, I'll either have it on the food channel or on the crime uh, ID channel. Yeah. Or the paranormal <laughs> channel. Yeah. So, yeah, you're either going to get baking, uh, ghosts, or true crime. <laughs> okay. So do you think a killer is born or is a killer made? Is it nature or nurture? I think it can be both. You think it can be both? I think you always see people who supposedly were brought up in a normal family home. Mm -hmm. They were middle class or upper middle class. And then one of the kids ended up being a little quirky. Yeah. And I think a good example of that would be Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, what I've read about his past it seemed like he came from a really middle-class family, but he was just fascinated with um, dead animals. Yeah, and, you can always tell if they hurt yeah. animals. Well, and I always hear that um, growing up, if you're like um, exposed to something at a certain age while your brain's still developing, it could really impact you oh. um, like at that age, okay. you know, like maybe 10 12, you know, prepubescent times mm -hmm. that um, it can really alter the direction okay. your what your interests are in. So maybe that happened to him. But yeah. and I want to say Ted Bundy also came from a, a decent family. He did. So not all criminals come from horrible backgrounds. I yeah. think it just I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. I think in George Hodel's case, too, he was brought up, he was an only child, and he was smart, and he's a doctor, so why would you kill people? So, And I that's, think, the, that's the guy from the Black from the Dahlia. Dahlia. Yeah. So I think something must have happened that altered his direction, or he was just born that way, maybe. Yeah, and you hear them say that it's like an urge that they just oh. can't fight, you know, that they need to feel that certain way um and it's just i don't know it's like They're, an obsession they need chocolate but they need to murder people i guess so. it's like an urge <laughs> for me it's a brahms banana split yeah, that's like i gotta have it uh what do you think motivates them 
Why do they do it? You said there's an urge, but what else could be? Like, I feel like some do it because they want notoriety and it's like yeah. a rush they get from Yeah, being I think chased. it's the rush and, yeah, being chased and seeing how they can outsmart people and um, just, uh, I watched something recently where this guy was, um, he would get like phones and make these uh, fake 911, not fake, but he would call 911 <laughs> uh-huh. to say, I just planted a bomb in, you know, a daycare. And he enjoyed seeing the police and the fire departments and oh it's on God. the news and they're all racing to this building to, you know, save people because there's a bomb threat and, and he would just keep doing that. And, and eventually this guy got caught, but it was like, <laughs> I guess, you know, like you said, that rush that they, they want to see that they have some kind of weird impact. Yeah. Um, I think another motivation might be, they want to be famous, Yeah, but they're not, I, don't, I guess they're not as talented and they don't know what to do. So they, they do crimes and they're famous for crimes. Yeah. I mean, you do get the people where that's where they were brought up. They, they don't know any better. Yeah. They, you know, they're, maybe their parents were robbers or stealers and, and they use the kids to help do that. And that's just the way of life for them. Yeah. Um, so for them, I don't think it's the rush. No. It's, it's just the way of life that this is what I do. So oh. I think it's a mix. And then as far as demographics of killers, we live in the U.S., so I think we see more white killers, I would say, than any other type yeah, of killer. Yeah, I mean, I th- there are, I mean, I have seen Hispanic serial killers and African-American serial killers, but I think predominantly it's it's white that we see. And I don't know if that's just because we live here, we live here, because I think if we went to another country, they probably see more of the majority race. Yeah, yeah. Well, then we, we can ask, are there more men or women? I think there are more men. I I think so, too. I agree with you. It's very interesting, though, when you do find a woman that's really that cuckoo. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And, but it's it seems different with them. Mm-hmm. It's like they're motivated by emotion or revenge. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of that one um, serial killer that Charlize Theron portrayed. I can't think of her name right now. Do you know no, who I'm talking about? I can't think about it, but I can remember Kill Bill with Uma Thurman. Yeah. She was out for revenge. Well, the character that Charlize Theron played, and I, oh, I wish I could remember her name right now, but it, it was a real story. And that poor lady just led this horrible life. Um, she was just abused as a little girl from family members. And then in school, she was, you know, raped and, and just physically and mentally abused until, you know, as an adult, she just had enough. And so she just killed men that got in her way. And, and so that was, that was one of those things where you, you felt for her, yeah, but it didn't make it right that what she was doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think killing is ever right. So no, killing's never don't, right. Don't but, listen to this podcast and yeah. do anything badly. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but you kind of saw where she was headed yeah. and why she was doing what she was. You saw her reasons, yeah. even though they weren't right. And you feel for you do feel yeah. for them. And that's a different thing than her doing it for um, a rush. Yeah, hers. Yeah. I don't think she was doing it for a rush. She was doing it for revenge and everything that went bad in her life. She was getting back. So it's, it's different. Sometimes I think it's different. Thank you for joining us on this episode of 
Too Real for Fiction, True Crime Stories, Part 1. Part 1, because we've got so much more to so talk about. So many more. For our next episode, I think we'll have some, some more interesting true crime authors. Uh, so stay tuned and give us suggestions if you think we should focus on a certain um, serial killer or author of crime. crime. Yeah. <laughs> or a good fiction book on crime. Yeah. So thank you for so much for joining us and see you next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this edition of Shelf Check. Music is Wonderful Adventures by Julian Von Erb under license from First Com Music, Inc. Production and editing by Aisha Hawkins and special thanks to library director Norma Zuniga. Take care and keep reading.